If you've ever felt like you speak a completely different language than the men in your life or the women in your life, our guest has some new language for you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our listeners and supporting our sponsors. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Have you ever felt like you speak a completely different language than your son or your spouse or your coworker? Well, you are not alone. Men and women tend to communicate so differently. Add in a teenage son and you may be feeling even more confused. Not only might we misunderstand what the other person is saying, we often misunderstand another important aspect of communication, the nonverbals, like body language, voice tone, and even how we're breathing. That's why I'm excited to introduce our guest today. For over 40 years, Michael Grinder has been helping people around the world understand the power of nonverbal communication. I trained with Michael decades ago and his teaching was pivotal in my understanding of how we can be better communicators. His techniques are accessible, fun, and quite profound. He's known worldwide as the father of nonverbal communication. He's also an author, a teacher, a father, a grandfather, and a husband. Welcome, Michael. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for letting me influence moms with sons. Yes, so important, says the man who has eight grandsons. I'm so curious, when did you first start to recognize the difference, the the disconnect that we have between men and women, moms and sons? I have two brothers and six sisters. So So early on, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I'm the second oldest, so all my... Female siblings are younger than me, but I come from a matriarchal family, so they all boss me around when we get together. And <laughs> it feels comfortable. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> and they also all check in with my wife to find out if I'm treating her appropriately, and uh, they will call me aside if not. And I just, I love that. So the blend of male and female, the female will bring it up, the male will go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not bring it up. I'm really wishing that my boys had sisters right now that could hold them accountable in those ways. Yep. Yeah, you get to do that as mom, Jen. Yeah, yeah, well, I am. I don't really think I'm going to be calling up their wives maybe someday to be like, how is he treating you? I got to be careful there, I think. (laughs) No, that's that's the in-laws. That's not the mother-in-law. Yes, exactly. So talk a little bit about nonverbal communication. And I mean, I think we're all familiar with body language. And, you know, if we're standing there with crossed arms, looking at our child, they're going to know something's going on, but get get into the nuances a little bit. Uh, There's actually four categories of nonverbal communication. It's called the visual nonverbals and that's facial expressions and especially eye contact. Eye contact is one of the biggest things that a female parent with a male son want to consider. The third category is called the body language or kinesthetic, and the fourth is going to be called breathing. So we tend to generalize and call it body language, but it's actually there's four different categories of it. Mm -hmm. If you look at someone and make eye contact, it increases the emotions. Mm -hmm. So if you like the emotions, keep the eye contact. If you do not like the emotions, stop making (laughs) eye contact. So mm-hmm. females, daughters, with moms and with each other, they will tend to enjoy the eye contact, even if it's combative. Whereas male, if you do eye contact with a male, it becomes physical in terms of what their innate response is. So you have to really be aware of, if you can, if you're going to talk with your son, if you sat next to the son, it would work better for him, mm-hmm. but you're impulse is to sit across from the sun. 
And we crave that eye contact as females. What we need to recognize is yeah. that it can be super uncomfortable for yeah. men and boys. I want to yeah. hear more about that, that physical reaction that you mentioned, yeah. Michael. Can you tell me about that? Yep, yep, yep. If you go to a state park uh, and you drive in, they oftentimes will give you a little pamphlet that says, if you see a bear, do not look at the bear because it releases chemicals in the bear as well as you. So the fight or flight freeze, th sure. that just, that's innate. The difference is that when you start breathing high, females still can access more of the left hemisphere where there's words. So they can describe how they are. Whereas okay. males, they don't have the same uh, contact between how I feel and can I express myself. So the technical term is called the corpus callosum. It's the contact between the right and the left hemisphere. Females at an early age all the way through uh, adult women, they have five times more electricity going back and forth between the two hemispheres compared to the males. Boy, and I can see how obviously our youth are not as mature as, as our adults, right? I mean, that is literally development in process. So everything you're saying, of course, that's even more true for our boys as they are growing up. Th that the corpus callosum hasn't even matured, so they're not even where they're going to get. Yeah. Sometimes um, if I've been on the road quite a bit and Gail picks me up, I ask if we could, at the airport, I ask if we could just be silent for 20 minutes because she's going to say, how are you? What's been going on? How was the flight? And I'm going, I just need silence right now. So if I, I that have to doesn't ease. sound like picking up boys after school, I don't know what does. <laughs> That's right. I, both for in teenagers in general, both males and females, the best conversations you ever have is in a car because they don't have to look at you and they have the option. But if you're the driver, you can't look at them as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They will share so much. If you're side by side. I had a dad once tell me that uh, he would tell his wife if she wants him to look at her, he can make eye contact, but he can't hear what she's saying. Mm -hmm. If she wants him to hear what she's saying, he can't make eye contact. Yep. I know so many women who take it personally. Yeah. He won't look at me when I'm talking to him, mm -hmm. either mm -hmm. husband or son. And we can we can unhook ourselves from that, listeners. We can. How many teachers and parents interpret this lack of or unwillingness or uh, a preference to not make contact in boys as a sign of disrespect? That's right. That's right. I'm with you. Yeah. And boys end up being punished sometimes or <laughs> yes. getting this very strong you know, uh, some you're doing something wrong vibe yeah. from us. Mm -hmm. um, and really, they're not doing it. They don't mean that as disrespect. No. Uh -uh. And we have to, we're talking about gender cross-cultural communication. If you put in ethnicity and gender together, you really get into some very hairy places in terms of if the gender between the teacher and the student is different and the ethnicity is different, the amount of misinterpretation is extremely high. I made up a little uh, set of cards when I train with teachers. And I know that we're doing an audio, but I wanted to show you two. And it's a set of Q-tips. You can take the Q-T-I-P and pretend it says, quit taking it personally. And then there's the other end of the Q-tip and it says, quietly take it professionally. And we actually put a hole in it so teachers can put it on their lanyard and just remind themselves in terms of what's going on. That is a great, great tip. Say it again. Say what the Q-tip stands for. Because, you know, parents, you can steal this idea. You can, like, put Q-tips strategically around the Absolutely. house. Absolutely. So one end stands for Q-T-I-P. It stands for quit taking it personally. It, they're not doing it to you. They're doing it to their parent. Mm -hmm. You just happen to be the parent. Yeah. If, you flip, if you flip the Q-tip over, it says, quietly take it professionally. Yeah, I like that. We all have to remind ourselves. Yeah, because it's it's innate. In our culture, yeah. value eye contact. Yeah. That is a sign of respect. And 
oof, you know, our teens are not comfortable, not just our teens, but our boys are not mm-hmm. as comfortable, likely. Mm-hmm. I mean, broad generalization, want to say that. So you mentioned the side-by-side communication. And, you know, I have definitely noticed that with my boys, as have most people. I want to talk about some wrinkles in this digital age a little bit. Because one of the the tips that I took, um, I think it was uh, Lisa Demore who first exposed me to this idea, the idea of potted plant parenting as your kids become teenagers, where you're just sort of there and in the background like a potted plant, and they will seek you out when they're ready for you. And so in some ways, I did this by I would like be in a common room and I would be on my phone and I would be doing just nothing that takes a lot of time, energy, or attention so that if they interrupted me because they wanted to talk, I was available. Often I would play like stupid mindless games. And I have found that sometimes when they come and start talking to me, it was actually better if I sort of kept playing the game while talking to them. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when I talk with my spouse, when I talk with my husband and he's looking at his phone, drives me crazy because he has ADHD. And if he is not paying full attention to me, he has no clue what I said. So, all right. All right. So Michael, help us understand this. And like, when maybe is it appropriate to, you know, be looking at our device and not the other person? And when is that harmful or or, um, damaging to communication? Between two people, whether it be husband and wife or mom and son, it's really a negotiation. Yeah. And what you'll find is you'll come up with a plan of action that will usually work for about six months. And then one (laughs) or both people, they grow, they expand, they change and you go, screw that. And now you have (laughs) this terrible limbo where you don't know how to respond and it's awkward. And then you have to sit down and figure out another game plan, but it only works for three to six months. Then you have to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. So, yep, I'm with you on that. I love There's that a- reality there. Like whatever plan you come up with at any point with your your parent, your child, your spouse, your work colleagues, that's not the answer to all of your problems forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Last summer, I had the privilege of um, being the officiant for two of my grandson's weddings. Mm-hmm. And Aww. since neither one of them go to church, uh, I required that if they wanted me, and I hope they did that I would require that we went through some Zoom meetings and we would go through, if they had gone to church, what a minister would do in terms of just, let's talk about these things. And it was amazing the difference between the male and the female, which one wanted to talk about it more than the other. Well, along those lines, you also, you and Gail host couples retreats. Yep. I'm going to guess that the women are the ones who uh, sign (laughs) up for the retreat we're going to this thing, honey, and the and the dads, much as when I'm family coaching, the dads or the husbands are kind of, oh, okay, I'm going to do this because my wife told me to. Yeah. What's the transformation in your three-day retreat? Um, I say, uh, do not raise your hand, but some of you may feel dragged here. <laughs> so in doing these activities, whoever feels dragged here gets to determine whether you participate with any other couples. And if you notice all the chairs are spread about, so there's two chairs here, two chairs here. You're not sitting next to someone. It's you came as a unit. We will have you doing things, not you doing with things with other people. Mm -hmm. You could just see the change in terms of going, oh, good, I don't have to participate. Mm -hmm. But part of the reason why the females will tend to sign up uh, is that... um, I work a lot with educators and there's more female educators than male educators. So it just, it's natural that way. But there's some research quite a number of years ago that if you look at a male and a female adult, the female will go to the doctor before the male will. Mm -hmm. The female will go to bed before the male in terms of taking care of herself. And the female will see a therapist before a male will. There's just a if you want, you can call it the inner space program and the outer space program. Brief pause for these messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll hear about the inner space program and the outer space program. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. 
Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Males are trained to notice what's going on outside themselves uh, in terms of competition, where my ranking is, so it's called hierarchical. And females are more the inside, and it's my interaction with other people. So if you wanna look at any middle school book that a male will read compared to a female, the female is reading a book that goes, and as I laid there with my head on the pillow that night and a tear came out of my eye, I realized I've lost my best friend. And the male is reading the book. And as I ran down the sideline and stretched out to grab the touchdown and rolled into the end zone and the crowd cheered. One is outside, one is inside. So a female, just her vocabulary of emotions are so much broader than the male. In fact, one of the things I'd like to send to you that you can pass on to other people is called how to create a feel wheel at home. Mm. And all you do well, is- Tell you us just, about that. You get all of the emotions that the family, the family can generate. And then you say, okay, what are the, and we'll put them on a list now, let's go, which ones are positive, which ones are negative. And the, the family decides, you can't decide for them. And so now once you have that, you just make a big circle mm -hmm. and you make sure that any emotions have to have the opposite. If it's negative, you have to have a positive. If it's a positive, you have to have a negative. So you make sure that you have all these going around and then you have inner circles. And then if you want, you take little pinheads that you use for sewing with different colors. And I might be the blue, someone else may be the green. And you can put your pin anywhere you want on this to indicate how you are as you arrive at home. And then the inside circle, is it, it says sanctuary. In sanctuary, you're allowed to be there two days out of the week, but never more than that. And when you're in the sanctuary, no one can ask you how you feel. But you only can be there two days. This is so much more useful than those in-out boards that you will see, you know, at a lot of workplaces. And, you know, frankly, an in-out board would be a good thing for a family with teenagers. So much more useful. Like nobody has to ask how you feel. Nobody has to communicate. Nobody has, I mean, yes, you're communicating. Yeah. Uh, nobody has to guess. You can just move this and at a glance, you can get a feel for the emotional temperature in your family. And Jen, because you have, usually you give four pins per person. Okay. For teenagers to realize they can feel ambivalent more than one way at the same time is a huge breakthrough. Mm -hmm. and what happens is they start going okay there's more to me than just how i feel one way oh. in, in fact if your listeners want on youtube if they typed in my name michael grinder and it's called circles of humanness it just says basically you have five layers or circles that you interact with and the first one is going to be your appearance and when you meet someone new that lasts about 20 minutes and then behaviors, talk fast, talk slow, move a lot, still, stay still, very still. Third circle is your style. That's where male and female come in. Okay. And then your fourth one is called values. Mm -hmm. And then your fifth one is called core identity. And what happens is when you're going to interact with someone, you were talking about, um, I want to talk to someone and, and they're on a phone. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you want to share 
your inside circles, how I feel, my values, you have to make sure the other person has time. Mm -hmm. For one member to start talking before they say, honey, do you have time? That is absolute suicide. And how many times a day do most of us do that? Yeah. Yeah. And then we get all upset and disappointed and sometimes angry. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. The other person didn't hear us. They don't care about us. Yeah. 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 And another another piece of that is, honey, we had this conversation last Friday night. Can't you remember what we talked about? And then we take it personally because he, because likely it's him, can't remember what the conversation was. Words carry more weight to a female. Actions carry more weight for a male. Yeah, but sorry, this is a very female question. I am totally doing my own therapy here. Yes, but how do I get the males in my life, and I do mean husband and children, to remember the things that I told them that are relevant to all of us and we need to remember? How do I turn that into an action? Okay, he's holding up a clipboard. Calendar. Calendar. Yeah, I got to train them to look at the damn thing. <laughs> well, that, that's part of what, if you're coming to the dinner table. That's part of it. Yeah. It's a no sequence. food until you glance at the calendar, guys. There you go. <laughs> and we do a review before dessert in terms of what this weekend is going to be. That's, uh, that's actually a really good idea. Like, this is simple. I mean, the calendar, this is not an innovative tool. We are all familiar with calendars, but we don't necessarily use them effectively within our relationships or families. Now, just so you know, I'm in my office right now. Yeah. Here is my current week in terms of commitments, in terms of uh, phone calls, uh, meetings I'm attending. Here is the by the month calendar. So I have the yep. whole year. And then here is where I write what happens on each day. I have to okay. have different levels. Daily, weekly, right. yearly, monthly, yeah. yearly. Yeah. Janet, so many of your coaching clients and our listeners have, um, let's say, preteen boys. Yep. Teenage boys who are not known for their organizational skills, yep. who their parents get very frustrated with over things like time management. I got to imagine that when you were um, a young boy, you were not this organized. How did you learn all that? On YouTube again, it's called Mikey Grinder. Two minutes when I was six years old and I was hyperactive. Mm. I graduated from high school with a fourth grade reading level. No. ADD, dyslexic, left-handed, repeated first grade, still didn't help. I had to teach myself how to read when I was 19 through 21. Wow. Parents, listen to that for one minute. I mean... (laughs) First of all, Michael, it, it's sad for you, right, that probably a lot of those things weren't identified and people didn't know what to do with them or how to help you. And so, you know, it's sad that you got to that point and didn't have those skills. And yet, those of you right now who worry and worry and worry about your sons, who can't get organized, who you feel like aren't paying attention in school, who are struggling with reading, they still can be really, really wonderful men. I want to talk about voice tone because many of the moms that I talk with, this is a rub with their sons. And it what do you mean? What do you mean by voice tone? That exactly that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Take it on. (laughs) And it goes both ways. Um, I have two moms that I'm working with right now whose sons are 11, 12, 13, and they consistently think that mom is mad at them yeah and mom feels like she's just being firm Mm -hmm. so there's a a difference there so talk about voice tone and how we as the adult can work with that and also how we respond to our son who's telling us mom you're mad at me what what can we shift what can we change If you take the number of words or syllables that a female says in a day compared to a male, by the time, let's talk about husbands, by the time the husband comes home, he's already done all his words for the day. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right. And the female has been waiting for him to come home because she still has half of her words to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you got to You got to do that negotiation and accommodate. One couple I thought was just it was brilliant what they did. They happened to move into a house that had an intercom between rooms. Mm. And he was fine hearing about her day as long as he didn't have to see the intensity of her eyes. Mm. So he would come home. They were both professionals. She would be in one room. He'd be in another. And they would just make sure that they had their intercom on. And she would just talk about her whole day. He would change his clothes. And every once in a while, he had to be reminded to go, "Uh uh-huh. And then she would talk some more. Mm -hmm. Now, for her, everything should be memorized what she said. Yeah. Because females store orally. Mm -hmm. That's in terms of husband and wife. Let's go back to moms and sons. If you were talking to your son and you're doing management, you're in trouble. You've got to have some kind of a visual description, actual display. What are the rules? What are the norms? What are your chores? And they're numbered. Mm -hmm. And all you do is don't look at your son. Look at the rules and go, Frank, have you done this number? And hold up your finger to indicate what chore they should be doing right now. Mm -hmm. Stop talking. Yeah. Stop talking. Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. So you've got to go visual. You've got to go visual. Yeah. One of the things I saw a mom do that I thought was really terrific. She said, you know, I have one child and I don't want to say male or female because then we get into stereotypes that is very compliant and very aware. And the other one is not. And they both had separate bedrooms, which is always a luxury. And so what she did was she made a list of all of the chores in a week that each of them had to do. Mm-hmm. Feed the dog, you know, clear the table, bring your laundry in for washing and then gave them a set of magazines and they each went through and made cut out a picture of each of the chores. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the mom laminated those. So here's feed the dog had a picture, mm-hmm. make your bed. Did you do your homework? And what the, the mom did was put two kangaroo pouches on the doors of their bedroom. Now she has about seven to 10 of these chores for each of the children. And she puts in the end box, kangaroo pouch, what they have to do for that day and they have to move it over. Uh Now the female statistically doesn't have to move it over. She can see the list and do it. He's got to tactily touch it and move it over to know it's done. Mm -hmm. Remember, doing has more significance to the male. Words have more significance to the female. You're, you're trying to cross over two different systems so that they can communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. One thing I still use in my coaching with parents is your analogy of cats and dogs. Will you talk about that? Sure, sure. It's the most popular of everything I do, even just, in the corporate world. Even in the corporate world, it just makes it, it like yeah. breaks down all the jargon and it's just like, so accessible and it makes so much sense yeah yeah and we have two books on it one is called charisma the art of relationship 
Hmm. And it talks about for adult to adult communication. And then the other one, which I think is even cuter, I'm looking for right now on my desk, sorry, is called Surviving Your Teens Adolescent. You have to Why survive. Did There's nobody a- give me that when my kids, when my first kid hit his adolescence. <laughs> it's the book we need. They're they're going to survive. It's the parent. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and the first one will tend to break in the parent. Or the other way to say it, the first one that needs a lot of management breaks in the parent. And you got to be real careful because you go, I love one. I love one. I love all of them. But one is easier than the other. (laughs) And you got to really separate that out. So dog and cat is a way of thinking about transferring your knowledge of household pet to people. And again, it's the style. It has to do with the inner person. It's just style. So... A cat and a dog, the difference is when you call a dog, he'll come. When you call a cat, if you don't sound You have like not a cat, met one of my dogs, Michael. We're still working on Charlie. Broad generalization, Jen. I know, I know. Come on, generalization. But you're right. Dogs will come. Cat, A cat will be like, what do you want? And the cat says, you don't sound like the cat over in the kitchen. Why should I? Mm-hmm. So then if you want... You don't have, you're just a dog or just a cat. You have both. So now you got to figure out, and there's a great poem I'm going to send you by uh, Laura Adair that talks about when your um, child becomes a teenager, it's the same as becoming a cat. Now, if your child was a cat before they were a teenager, you may have a feral cat. (laughs) (laughs) And when you go to a pet store, come on. When you look at the puppy and you look at the kitten, they both look lovely. Mm-hmm. But you bring them home, if you would, the dog becomes a member of the family. Can't go on vacation without taking care of. But for the cat, when the kitten becomes a cat, you're part of the staff. Yeah. <laughs> and so now you got to figure out, when is my teenager? When is my youngster? When is my spouse and his or her dog? And when are they in his or her cat? So if you want, there's a T and an R that would describe the two variables in terms of when are they in their dog, when are they in their cat? So the when someone is in their dog, the T stands for they love tranquility. No conflict. Mm-hmm. Harmony. And the R stands for routines. Mm-hmm. Just they, we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. Now, Dogs you're thrive on your, routine, that's for sure. When you're in your cat, the T stands for tension. Mm. And if you have a family driving for more than 20 minutes and you've required they can't do electronics in the backseat being occupied, you will know which one is the cat. Because within 20 minutes, the cat gets bored. Could be the absolute youngest person, two-year-old in the family. So they'll scratch one of their siblings because they're bored. Now they're they're just having fun, but that's how cats operate. So they love tension. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when you go away for a nice romantic weekend, sometimes it's the male, sometimes it's the female. But if you're gone for three or four days, whoever the cat is in the relationship, they'll start picking, they'll tease. Why? They're bored. They're just one little action here. Make something happen. Come on, come on. <laughs> the R in the uh, over on the cat side is risk. So, what happens when you are a parent of a ten-year-old? You can be in your dog, and you'll be fine. And you'll say, you know, how was school? And they tell you. Mm-hmm. But what happens is there's three variables in any negotiation. It's called PIT. It's called the pit. So who has the power? Who has the information? And who has the time? So what a teenager does at 14, when you say, how is school? They withhold their information and they withhold time. You got the power. That means nothing. Mm. They got the information. So they play it. Ah. IT. And so now you have to tease the cat. That's why 
stay occupied, be the plant in the background, and let them seek you as much as possible. And if you want on YouTube, Michael Grinder again, it's called How to Balance Your Relationship. And it says, you've got to take turns chasing each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The dog is always chasing the cat. I want more time. I want more attention with you. And the cat goes, I got to get farther away. I got to get farther away. Well, stop moving away. If you're the dog, turn, stop. Now what will happen is the cat goes, you normally follow me. What's going on? So they'll start coming towards you. Now, here's what the dog goes. I knew we'd get along. No, 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 no. You can't do that. It's <laughs> the dog have the cat chase you. So that's what you're doing, Jen, as a mom in the background saying, I'm available. And that's where yeah. you go, mm -hmm, uh-huh. But you don't commit yourself. Make them seek you. I'm sitting here with, you know, this look on my face and my mouth is open because all these fireworks are going off in my head. Um, especially I have two dogs in this house, right? Like physical dogs, actual animals. And um, one Charming. is a young adult, one is a puppy. And they they do this chasing thing all the time. And it's so much like a sibling relationship. And Janet, I don't know if I told you this. Mike took Charlie, our older dog, away the other day. And you'd think that the little one would be relieved to have all the attention to herself. That lasted for about 15 minutes. And then she whined because she missed Charlie, even though he torments her all the time, which is so much like siblings, like friends, like spouses. Hmm. I, I have a physical dog and a physical cat. They they kind of pose for the cover of our book, Charisma. Perfect. And th th it's amazing. The cat was feral. Um, the dog was barking about four years ago and couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was just a little, little, little thing. We had to uh, bottle feed it. It was so young. Couldn't find the mom. Aww. Aww. Uh, but it was feral. And it's still feral. So if uh, there's a new person in the house, it will stay out of the house until the person leaves. Mm. Uh, so the the dog raised the physical cat and so the cat has more dog characteristics but it's still a cat mm -hmm. so every night when we're watching tv gail and i holding hands it's our favorite activity all the kids are gone so it's different now the dog and the cat will start playing with each other but the cat will only play if the cat is winning <laughs> so it's a wrestling parents right now are thinking of a couple of their children and going huh very similar yeah mm -hmm. It's just, it's such a good way of thinking about, and to reiterate, you can be both at different times. It's not yep. like you're only yep. a cat or only a dog. Uh, I had a mom say, you know, her son gets home from school and she just wants to hang out with him. Uh, she hasn't uh. seen him all day. And so I told her about the dog and the cat. And it's like, you need to just be a cat for a little bit of time. And then your son is going to come back and yeah. he'll be ready to talk to you. But if you're there as the dog panting, waiting at the door, wagging your tail, he's going to be a cat yeah move away from from her talk about credible and approachable too is also nonverbal communication and very useful in all parts of our lives and these are all stereotypes that when we have our couples communication workshop a lot of times they'll start laughing because it's actually opposite of male female in a particular relationship the male actually is the talkative one, wants mm -hmm. more contact. The female wants to be alone, blah, blah, blah. So it's just, it's just style. That's all it is. It's just style. So in general, uh, females are, uh, because they're trained for the inner space program, how do I feel? And they're much more drawn to mental health compared to the male. The, the female, when you talk with her, and you have permission, she can talk quite a long time about how she feels and have a variety of different feelings at the same time. So your job as a listener is to repeat back. So it sounds like you feel, and as they, you say it back, they go, oh yeah. And you just clarified what they said, but they think you're a brilliant listener because of that. Males don't know how to have ambivalence. Mm -hmm. So if you ask a, a male spouse, what do you think we should do this summer regarding blah, blah, blah? He will go off and think about it. And then you have to remind him, are you still thinking about it? 
then he'll come back and then he'll say, so this is my position on it. Whereas what she wanted to do was to share, she feels this way and feels this way. And he, she was hoping he would say, you feel this way and you feel this way. And he is trained to be credible. I come back with the decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas the approachable person has to share, I feel this way and I feel this way. We could do this or we could do that. So that's why oftentimes in corporate meetings, the female will speak early about how she sees a situation and actually change her mind during the mm -hmm. meeting that goes on. And that's totally acceptable. Whereas the male stays silent until he has a position and then he'll say his position. So a lot of times he will be given more credibility because he is definitive Whereas a female seems not as definitive, more approachable. So now yeah. it's it's unfair for a female to have a thought that she doesn't share. And it's called manipulation. Whereas for the males, why would you share something that you haven't cemented yet? So that's why ambivalence is really difficult. I remember the first time I missed my first grandchild being born and I flew in and He'll pick me up at the airport and we went to the hospital and got to see the, the family. And I was absolutely stunned and I was driving home and Gail was driving and she said, well, how do you feel now that you're a grandpa? I did everything I could to go inside, look up, look down, look sideways. How do I feel? I didn't have a clue. And I said, honey, help me. She says, well, do you feel now that you're older? Do you feel like, okay, your responsibility has now been transferred to someone else? because it happens to be a, bale, a boy, are you looking forward to? And she gave me about six different items. And I said, yes, two and four. That was the best I could do. I yeah. was too emotional on the right side of my brain to get to the left side of my brain to what's it called? Jen, I can see your wheels just turning. So fascinating. I mean, <laughs> I feel like my husband is going to be at an absolute disadvantage today um, because I'm going to get off this call and I'm going to have all this going through my head as we talk. And I'm going to like start laughing at times because I'll be like, oh, you're being a cat right now. And he'll go, what? My wife had a good friend. We'll call her, we'll call her Miss P. And um, one time in our marriage, about four or five years ago, I would come in the house and she would be on the phone and I would lip sync over in silence. Are you talking to Miss P? And she'd nod her head. Yes. So after a while, I said, you know, honey, I just, would you cut in half the amount of time you talk to P? And within a week, I said, you need to be talking to P more. <laughs> You're talking to me too much. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that number of words in a day. This is so profound because I think that our marriages, our partnerships have come to that place of that other person is my all. And I want him to meet me on all the levels of social interaction and conversation and deep thinking and processing. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's it's not there. And so call your girlfriend. Yeah. Talk to her first. Process with her first. I have a couple friends who the husband will say, you know, I just let her talk. I know she's going to come up with the solution, with the answer, if I just let her talk. Mm -hmm. And and it's what you said, you know, just another uh-huh every now and then interjected. She doesn't actually need him mm -hmm. to fix it or solve it. She just needs him to listen. There's a YouTube clip. It's not mine. It's called The Nothing Box. Mm -hmm. It is the funniest thing I have ever, ever seen. And yeah. please, I recommend it highly. Just really, really see the nothing box. And it basically says that the female brain, when she sees her male partner in trouble, wants to offer the biggest gift she can give, which is, and she walks over and says, talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> and when he sees her in trouble, he walks over and goes, honey, tell me, I'll fix it for you. Mm -hmm. So the doer versus the processor, mm -hmm. it, that that's the statistically built into the brain. As we're talking, none of us are young people anymore. We all have decades of life experience, relationship experience. You can hear us still, you know, identifying these points of conflict and misunderstanding and how we are learning in our relationships. 
Michael, one of the things that's hard for me and other parents, you know, our kids certainly don't have this experience. And when they're teenagers, they start entering into relationships. And, you know, sometimes we can see things going badly or be an unhealthy balance. And, you know, it's not our job necessarily to tell them, hey, this is an unhealthy relationship. They need to learn and grow. What role do we as parents have in helping specifically our sons, because this is on boys, what role do we have in helping and supporting our sons as they learn to navigate uh, romantic relationships and communicate on these levels? Your role as a parent is to increase the village. Increase the village. We're going to have our annual get together in Sun River coming up in July, and it happens every year. Uh, You know, we have five gener- four generations that will be there, I will have my sister walk up to me and say, would you please talk to my adult son about, my adult daughter about? And I say, yes. And now when you're over there, make sure you do. So who has permission to talk? Yeah. It's got to be the village. Mm-hmm. So that's why as a parent, your role is not to solve, it's to increase the village so that other people can assist. My son will call me up and say, I want you to talk to my son about this. He's an adult, his son. But he mm-hmm. said, come on, come on. And I said, I get it. You, you don't listen to me now. I get it. So go ahead. But when you're talking to my wife, your mother, make sure you talk to her about. So our kids have more permission than we have with each other oftentimes. I like this. And so if I can just keep my big zap shut and wait for someone else to say it to Gail, or vice versa, Gail, not tell me, it just makes all the difference in the world. If you want, there's a, on YouTube, Michael Grinder again, it's called Circles and Chairs of Negotiation. And I use it in my couple's Valentine weekend workshop. There's part A and part B. And it's taken from John Gottman, the leading researcher on longevity of marriages. And all I did was just put it into a fun kind of activity. But just, it's really not the conflict that determines the satisfaction in the relationship, whether you can handle conflict or not. It's the friendship. Mm-hmm. So if you have good friendship, then everything is, so are you making deposits into the bank of friendship? If you are, then when conflict comes up, it's just not as important. Yeah. So, And same with parents and sons, parents oh. and children, oh. and oh. it's, you know, the connection is primary. And when you can, as you said, put put deposits in that connection, having fun together. I think sometimes as busy parents, we forget to have fun with our kids, that parenting actually is supposed to be fun, yeah. at least some of the time. And so have fun with your kids. Neil and I, once we understood about, you know, we had to have the heart-to-heart talks we looked around their house and said, you know, where do we tend not to be? And we almost never use our living room. So we started practicing when the kids were gone, how to have a talk with all three of them. And um, each of us knew there were certain nonverbals that our teenagers did that would just send us off. So the rolling of the eyes, the, uh, the <laughs> turning away, crossing your arms, you don't really care. So all of the voice patterns. So we made sure we defanged ourselves of all those. And then we could start having the talks. And it was just on the couch. And the couch was contaminated. And we wanted it to be. So that nowhere other place in the house was contaminated. Mm-hmm. So the two areas you want to keep clean in a house is where you eat and where you sleep. Do not let teenagers take their phones into their bedroom When it's curfew time, they bring it out, they leave it in the kitchen, and it's locked. Mm -hmm. You cannot have your phone when you go to bed. It's got to be off. It's got to be off. Now, knowing that, that means that we really contaminated the couch. So a couple of years ago, they're all married, and we said, you know, we're going to redo our living room. Would anyone like the couch? And all three of the in-laws said, yeah. And all three of our kids went, no. Because it's contaminated. So I had a mom come up to me about a year after she heard this. And she said, you know, I have a studio apartment and I have a son. That's it. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And once I got 
in my thick skull, what is contamination, what is decontamination? It could be a location, color, size, shape. So she went out and bought an unusual beach towel and she'd put it over a chair and she would have the heart to heart talk sitting next to her son on this chair with this beach towel. And then she'd put the beach towel away. So it was really the beach towel, wasn't the chair. Sure. So she learned that when it was time for curfew and he was supposed to be home at a certain time, she would take the chair, put it in front of the front door, put the beach towel on it and she'd go to bed. She knew exactly what time he got in. He'd open the door and scream looking at the towel. <laughs> he was late. Now he couldn't sleep all night. So she slept because she knew how to put the burden back on him. Nonverbals. So important. Michael, thank you so much for your insights and your humor. You know, we, we're all just trying to figure yeah. out how to do this human thing, right? Oh. And get along with each other. And it can be such a mystery at times, but you certainly have helped so many people, as I said, worldwide, figure out how to not only our own communication style, but how another person operates so that we can build those bridges and make those connections. And you've alluded to your YouTube channel so that we know that's a place to find more information about you. And of course, Jen will put all of these things in the show notes, but Jen is going to go to that YouTube channel as soon as we are done and start watching some of these videos. So we can find you at michaelgrinder.com. And uh, what, what else should we know? How can we learn more from you? If I can, just my closing remark is my mother always said that uh, you should never have just one child because you over-identify. And I thought my mother took it to extreme having nine. Uh, <laughs> apparently the family joke is since my brother has a PhD in linguistics, there's no way I could compete in that area. So I went to nonverbals instead. <laughs> And one of the things she always said was, you tend to take too much credit when they turn out well, yeah. and you take too much blame when they don't. Yeah. And you just, you just got to love them, but you cannot be possessive. You don't get to decide. And I mean this sincerely, they could be a serial killer. They could inadvertently cause someone an accident driving their car. And you got to just absolutely love them. And they have their own consequences that they will get in reality. Mm -hmm. And so keep that village strong. you got to have the village. And I thank all the moms out there for being willing to raise sons like myself. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Pleasure. We hope that you have enjoyed this conversation as much as Jen and I did having this with Michael. If you liked this, if you found this valuable, share it with your parenting partner and a friend. Thank you for being our listeners. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com.